1: Again, a light night in the uh, NHL. The Senators up on the Jets, 1-0 late in the second period. The uh, big hit, Bufflin on Stone. Stone has uh, returned to the game. Capitals and Flyers, no score. Early second period, Flames and Ducks still to come. Oil Kings just getting underway at Rexall Place Game 3 against the Brandon Wheat Kings. We will keep you updated throughout the program. Uh, Morley Scott at the game covering it for our fine radio station. Okay, Jack Michaels coming up in two minutes, but Barry uh, stayed on hold there on the open line, so we're going to bring Barry in. Hey, Barry, what's up?
2: Hey, how are you, Reed? I really enjoy the program. Thank you. I remember when you used to work in Lloyd Minster, I used to watch you all the time on CKSA.
1: Oh, I'm glad someone was watching.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, my greatest memories are, uh, I remember, I, well, I quit playing junior hockey to rodeo, so, I mean, that was my ultimate goal was to go to the Canadian finals, so I remember qualifying for my first Canadian finals, and rode there three times, and the Oilers used to uh, stand behind the chutes like there was Paul Coffey and Hunter at the uh, spring rodeo. It was called Super Rodeo, so a lot of great memories there, and, and I was on Wide World of Sports and the bull riding twice, so. Oh,
1: cool. Now, uh, did you did you talk to the Oilers players? Did they ask you what it was like to be on a bull or anything like that?
2: No, no, they just kind of were would watch, and Doug Vold would talk to them, and and that kind of thing and they just kind of took it all in you know and they were uh, it was great and then even at the uh, Canadian finals the Eskimos used to come and watch us because that would be when they would be playing off. eh?
1: Well who's uh, now who's uh, where would you rank rodeo athletes on the toughness scale tougher than hockey players tougher than football players I mean people say oh well it's only eight seconds and I'm always like yeah but a lot can go wrong in those eight seconds.
2: Well, let's put it this way. Uh, you ride hurt all the time. Like, I used to uh, ride with even, a, um, you know, broken bones in my, uh, in my. Uh, like I broke some bones one time in my uh, foot because a bull stepped on me. But to make the Canadian finals, I just had to uh, keep on riding like that. You ride injured. And hockey players and football players, they do the same thing. So anybody that thinks that any athlete isn't out there and you know sometimes that's a, a good point to read uh sometimes when the hockey players don't come out to play like what everybody expects sometimes they're hurting well you
1: know that's true
2: mean? yeah i and, mean some... and, you know they have to play injured and, and uh and i've seen guys uh, win rounds at the calgary stampede with broken ribs and they just keep on doing it.
1: yeah for sure barry great call man great to hear from you okay that's Barry weighing in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three, and we're going to go to uh, one of our featured guests this evening, Jack Michaels, who's the play-by-play voice for the Oilers on the Oilers radio network. And six thirty, Chet. Well, Jack, if uh, if it's you, me, and Barry in this half hour, I think Barry is uh, the toughest guy who's going to be on Chet's airwaves for the next twenty-two minutes. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, I was going to say that's kind of a lopsided contest. I don't feel like I've really been given a fair chance to succeed in that one.
1: <laughs> any uh, any rodeo uh, coverage in your uh, sports broadcasting history? Because I got a little bit in mine. I've got
3: uh, I've I've got rodeo related, but it's 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 not really rodeo. But I I have a I have a story that that's certainly in the mix. But it, it wouldn't be. Wouldn't be rodeo, but it, it does involve an ostrich, and it's it's a long story. I mean, I, I mean, we don't have <laughs> we don't have time. I mean, unless you were going to devote a whole segment, I don't think. You're well, wait a time. minute.
1: Wait a minute. How how like how are we, if we're talking forty minutes, we don't have that much time. If we're talking three minutes for an ostrich story, now everybody's well, interested. well. There's
3: two ostriches actually in this story okay what were there's, they doing there's two ostriches in this story uh, look i'll make this as brief as i can but uh bottom line is is uh one of my first well actually i believe my first play-by-play gig that i was actually paid for was uh was an ostrich race and the ostrich uh race it was actually called the ostrich handicap this was this was 20 years ago, so I, you know, PETA wasn't that involved. There wasn't political correctness uh, to the degree we have today, but uh, it involved, the handicap involved uh, the entire, you know, the the half of the oval uh, on a cinder track at a county fair, and uh, the handicap involved a 500-pound gentleman on the one ostrich. And I was uh, calling the ostrich race not only live on the radio but live on the loudspeaker to the uh, to the throng in attendance at the, at the Crawford County Fair, and it went about as it, it went about as you'd expect—a complete debacle uh, with the ostrich saddled with the 500-pound gentleman uh, reeling like Glass Joe in the old Mike Tyson's punch-out before collapsing, while the other ostrich breezed to victory. <laughs>
1: how fast are ostriches if if unencumbered by an obese man
3: well i mean here's the thing is i was so i i i knew this was going to be a train wreck in fact i mean there's so much goes through your mind in this sort of scenario reed you know i i went to four years of college i graduated with honors and and here's my assignment i'm, I'm i mean a lot I, I i called into question a lot of things that particular day and in But if if memory serves, I I believe I uh, I did a shot or two of Soco to kind of just come come back to earth. Because I mean, I it was it was such a debacle. Like I was like I just couldn't believe what I was about to do. And I and and so yeah, I mean, I, I was so preoccupied with the ostrich, I, I didn't get a sense of how fast the other ostrich was. All I'm saying is, the uh, the half of a cinder track he had to make up was no problem. And I do remember, I mean, he was flying. I mean, those things can fly. I, I mean, <laughs> th- that was. I'd never seen an ostrich before. I haven't seen one since and uh certainly if I'm involved I hope never to see one again.
1: Jack, did the ostriches have names?
3: I I called them ostrich one and two. I mean, I didn't know what their names were. If I I mean that's been lost to that's been lost to memory. That's been lost to history if they did have. But I mean, yeah, you're talking to a guy who's 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 seen just about everything. I I uh I come from I come from humble roots. We'll put it that way.
1: Oh, that that is amazing. I gotta compose myself here because that 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 was a that was a, that
3: was my first assignment as a
1: professional. Like you must have thought, like, well, this is my lot in life. Uh, well, I mean, and
3: the funny thing was, is not too. It was either not too long before, or not too long after. Uh, I was offered a job at a George Steinbrenner-owned track down in Tampa for greyhound racing. I remember doing an audition that summer, uh, calling greyhound races into an old Morans machine. Remember those
1: yep, things? Yeah, absolutely.
3: And sending my uh, and sending my tape off, and and subsequently being offered the job. And then you know, and then you know WWE. So I mean, I, when you talk about well, I haven't I haven't had rodeo, but I mean I I've been in the mix. I mean I, I've been I've been in and around rodeo. I've been to a rodeo. You know wh- where the rodeo Hall of Fame is, Reed?
1: Oh gee, I don't. I should, but I don't.
3: Colorado Springs. Oh, nice. In Colorado okay. Springs. As you know, I have a home there. So uh, yeah, the rodeo <laughs> Hall of Fame is is uh, is is right. You know. Uh, not too far from me. So I that, that's the one rodeo I attended was a rodeo in Colorado Springs.
1: Oh, that is awesome. I, we're already, I think, cutting the uh, ostrich story for the next best of edition of, of inside sports. That Yeah,
3: one. no, that, I mean, and that's, uh, that's, there's a longer story behind it, but like I said, I, I out of respect for your show and, and really <laughs> broadcasting as a whole, I don't think I need to go into it more than that.
1: Well, we may beat meat for a beverage this off season so I can get the director's cut of the uh, ostrich. Story. Jack Michael's joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, uh, we're counting down to the final Oilers game at Rexall Place. It was, you know, awesome first hour of the show, Jack. I just basically started talking about Rexall Place, and people phoned in and, and texted in. Uh, uh, people who went to WHA games, concerts in the 70s. Uh, one gentleman just called in about Sam Gagne's eight-point night, which uh, which you called. Uh, I was at that game, I and mean, I was doing the post game in the Oilers dressing room then because I was producing Bob Show. And that, I mean, I guess, unfortunately, the, the team success hasn't been a lot lately, but Gagne and Scrivens gave, it, it, certainly in the last few years, two of the greatest individual performances in the NHL, and you got to call both of those.
3: Yeah, though that wouldn't be. I mean, for me, to be honest with you, Reed, and, and you and I have talked about this before. I mean, I, I traveled a different road than, than you and Bob did. I, you know, I wasn't in the same city that an NHL team occupied where you were constantly kind of brushing up against the NHL, uh, if not actually in the league. At certain point in time, so for me, it's always going to be you know my first game as as an NHL broadcaster, and my first game as an NHL broadcaster happened to be at Rexall Place, and happened to feature the goal of the year that year in the National Hockey League. And you know, I mean, from a from just a welcome to the league and the whole gamut, you know, a a shutout of the Flames and the Battle of Alberta, sellout crowd, the goal of the year. Uh, one of the most vicious knockouts I've ever seen. I mean, it was, you talk about a first NHL game experience. Uh, I'm going to remember that game just as much as Jordan Everly, you know, would. of course I, I didn't have the same degree of skill he put on display, but you know, for a first NHL game for me, uh it was it was spectacular. And of course, you know, I, I knew obviously the Oilers had, had been a last place club the year before, but you know, you walk out of that building, a four nothing win in the Battle of Alberta and, and anything's possible, um, from a team success. I uh uh, you know, I don't. I don't really remember much. You know, after the game in terms of how I got home or, or what I talked about with my wife that night. But it was a it was a sp- pretty spectacular evening. And and having traveled uh you know again a, a road where I was, you know, never really that close to the NHL in terms of proximity either geographically or generally my lot in life. It was memorable on on quite a few different levels.
1: All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more at you. And, I, and I've asked you this. A couple of other times about specific buildings on the road. So I'll ask you about Rexall Place because you just have the two games uh, left. From a play-by-play guy's perspective, and I I think fans are interested to hear this because they don't get the view uh, you get. sightlines at Rexall Place have have you, uh, you know, just the, the comfort level maybe you have calling a game from that vantage point.
3: Love it. I mean, I'm going to miss it. Uh, that's that's. I'm look. I'm as excited about the new building as anybody. Uh, but Rexall Place is fantastic. It's it's probably, it's probably number one in the league. I mean, LA is pretty good uh, and is and is close. But I, I would I would say I would say Rexall Place offers the number one vantage point in the league, uh, with the you know the circular ring uh, you're right over the ice. Unlike Vancouver, and Montreal, there aren't, you know, just little slight obstructions that have, have you altering it the way you stand. It's, it's just a perfect setup. But of course I'm biased because it's, it's been my home for six years. So, uh, you get used to it from that perspective, but opposing broadcasters are always asking me, you know, what's the, <laughs> what's the new rank going to be in terms of sight lines. And I said, look, the new rank is going to be spectacular, but if, from a sight line perspective for the broadcaster, uh, how could you improve on what, what Rexall offers in that regard? It's going to be good. I, I mean, I, I know where we're going to be, and, and uh, you know, we've gotten some help from the PR folks and JJ to, to put us in a great spot. But uh, Rexall plays from that perspective. You, you do feel like you're right over top of the ice, and it's been a great home for me for the last six years.
1: Jack, you continue to be an A-list guest for this program. Thank you so much for your time this evening.
3: Well, I'm, the only thing I'm a little disappointed, Reed, is I wanted to give you some kudos uh, on your on your promo today. We didn't even have time for that. So that's another reason I was hesitant to drop the Ostrich story on you. Uh, you did a heck of a job. In terms of production value, Reed, that promo you ran is, is, is top-notch. Now, it does leave me questioning exactly how much time you have on your hands, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the only regret I have is, you know, there was no, uh, there was no LaRock in there. There was no Dustin Penner. There was no Southside Athletic Club. So, you know, what I would have done, what I would have brought to the table is, you know, it would have been like you and you and me would have been like Polanski and Scorsese. We would have just gone back and forth and whittled it down a bit.
1: Oh, that's a great reference as well.
3: But, 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 I don't but it was. It was a good job. It was a, but it if, was a good bit.
1: If Polanski and Scorsese were going to meet, it couldn't be in the United States. Just remember that. Uh, well, yes,
3: that's a, that's a very good point. Well, we're in Canada, so maybe, on, maybe that's good enough. Jack, I'll see you at the rink. Look forward to it, Reed. Thanks for having me on. That is Jack Michaels
1: checking in tonight. Man, that ostrich story—I did not see that coming. But that's that's a that's a beauty. Uh, Tyler tweeting me <laughs> to my account, who uh, he has like a picture of an ostrich skiing or something. I, that's got to be computer generated, but it's uh, it's it's pretty funny. Jack referring to the Seabob promo we ran last night on this show and uh, Bob ran during Oilers Now. It is a spoof a station that is all Bob for all the time. Maybe we'll play it again before the end of the show tonight. It's uh, 7.20, quick timeout, Inside Sports on Ched.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chad. Well, I don't know if the racing ostriches
4: are going to
1: be top for a story to do on Inside Sports. That, that was... The, the the term unbelievable is overused. That that might have been unbelievable. Though, uh, obviously, I totally believe Jack Michaels. First play-by-play job, ostrich races. So one ostrich is unencumbered, right? Is that, that, I heard that right, Matthew? One ostrich is just an uh, a ostrich. The other ostrich has a 500-pound man on his back, and they raced. Now, did Jack not say the ostrich with the man on got, got a head start? Does that, that what how the story was? Yeah,
5: but, but I believe a half, half, half the, a lap uh, or something, half a, lap. half a
1: track. Yeah, I was. I, we got to admit, I was. I was trying not to laugh too loud on air, so I, I may have. Yeah, that was.
5: <laughs> that was incredible. The one thing you should have asked Jack, and I wonder how do you find the post for that? Uh, for that play-by-play job, it was in the paper looking for man to call ostrich race. Please phone this number. <laughs> Please apply. <laughs> Please apply. Well, I'm sure they didn't put it was an
1: ostrich race in the in the want ads. It was probably like opportunity for play by play, exciting one of a kind race because that would be a one of a kind race. <laughs> you got you got the. Uh, oh, all right. We'll have to we'll have to cut that out and post it on the uh, Facebook page and, and and put it on Twitter so people can go back and, and uh, listen to it. This is Inside Sports on on 6.30, Chad. The Oilers don't play again until Saturday. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop here on 6.30, Chad. Hey, guess what's back on Sunday at 4? The Eskimos show with Morley Scott, the defending Grey Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos. Eskimos show back for another year. That's going to be exciting. Uh, what did I want to get to here? I asked uh, Mark Letestu today about the team losing... Uh, so many, you know, one-two goal games or games where they in it, where they're in it, but they they make a crucial mistake. I said, what's going on there, Mark? Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of symptomatic of
5: the season. Uh, I think the obvious answer is the power play. Uh, with the amount of skill we have uh, that we can put on the ice at particular times, it hasn't
1: been a difference maker enough for us this year, uh, and a lot of. the you know, winning on the road, stuff like that. Uh, That's special teams and good defense, and our special teams hasn't really been there for us. So uh, next year or these last three games is another opportunity for us to build on it, but uh, the power play has to be a difference for us, especially with, with the talent we can put out there. All right. Let's uh, let's let's fit him in here, Matthew. We'll just to rearrange the, the lineup for the commercials a little bit. One of our uh, favorites, Chris from Phoenix. I don't know if he got to hear the ostrich story, but I think he has one of his own. Hey, Chris.
6: Hey, uh, I feel really special. It's like, holy cow, you guys are rearranging your show just for me. It's like I'm gonna have to start signing autographs and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just I'm glad um, I was able to uh, to go to Rexall. Uh, I, I was able to go uh, in 2013. It was a, it was an awesome experience. My best friend from Ontario uh, put it all together. We got a, a tour of Rexall. Got to go uh, behind the scenes, behind the order doors. Uh, up in the rafters, by the, in the press box areas, and uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. So uh, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a sad day when uh, you know the, the last game because a lot of a lot of great memories. Unfortunately, you know, the last uh, ten or so years has been a lot of bad memories. Um, especially this whole five five first overall picks in seven years that we might get. So we might get five first overall picks in seven years and five cups in seven years. So hey, one one of the spectrum to the other end.
1: Yeah, no uh, kidding.
6: Now, now this whole this whole Yakupov uh thing uh, I I I just hope that uh we find a place for this kid in the off season and then just kind of part ways and, and move forward. Uh I, I think he's kind of been uh I I, I don't know. Uh it's it, like the first few games into his into his career we had issues with him where they were talking about trading him and and stuff like that. So it's just time for him to move on. We have, And it's funny because we have so many Yak supporters. I don't hate Yakupov. I like him. I, him, to see him. I wanted him to succeed. But he just doesn't do anything for me. When he when he um, gets confidence and he's skating and, and he's creating, it's great. But most of the time, the kid is invisible. Most of the time, he's a liability on the ice. And, and I, I'm not going to give some kid uh, power play time and gravy time so he can pad his stats just, just because he's a threat on the ice. You know, once in a blue moon. Like I watched him in, in Phoenix, where he made that dazzling move, but then that was it. You know, we we got guys that uh, out of the the top end uh, forwards that we have, like Hall and Nuge and McDavid, they bring.
1: Thanks for calling, okay? Chris from Phoenix checking in uh, tonight. Oh, speaking of Chris's and more Rexall memories, Chris Sheets, he's got some kind of a story about a a little TV when we get back.
0: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
1: Well, Mark Shifley continues to be red hot. 26th goal of the season, ties it. Jets and Senators 1-1 about seven minutes into the third period. Still no score, Caps and Flyers. Four minutes left in the second frame. Flames and Ducks haven't started yet, and no score at Rexall Place. Twelve minutes into the game between the Oil Kings and the Wheat Kings. That is a big one. Reid Wilkins with you. DW says... Jack Michael's ostrich race story is one of the best I've ever heard. Much better than Bob Stoffer's story about tree planting. And Dan says, hey, Reed, ostrich racing was part of a reality TV show my sister starred in. It was called Get Stuffed on the Outdoor Life Network. You can search for it online at uh, oln.ca. Search for Get Stuffed. Well, now I got something to do when I get home tonight. Thank you, Dan. Tell us some stories about uh, Rexall Place. Ken Lowe, former Oilers head medical trainer, will be on between 8 and 8.30. I, I talked to him earlier today. I asked him some of the uh, toughest Oilers of all time that-, that he ever worked with. I think uh, you will enjoy that answer, and we'll get into some other stuff as well. Right now, from Kissing Country 1039, school bus owner Chris Sheets is on the line. Chris, great to have you back on the show.
0: I think I'd rather I'd, I'd rather be an ostrich racer than a school bus driver. That's pretty pretty awesome. Did you get to hear this story, or you you, you weren't? You know what? Your... I did, I didn't, okay. but I have to go back and listen now. Honestly. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll try to. I'll, maybe at the top of the hour we can get that Matthew and, and and tweet it out and put it on the Ched Facebook page because I was like Jack Michaels is telling the story about doing play by play for an ostrich race, and I just was <laughs> like, wow, I never thought like what a, what an honor to have that on a show you're hosting.
0: Yeah, no kidding. No, no kidding. That's what makes him a legend.
1: Uh, Yeah, he's a great storyteller too. Uh, All right, so you—we wanted to have you on, Chris. I mean, I figured let's have some fun on the few shows here. Have some people on who, uh, uh, you know, have been to uh, Rexall Place. Now, for you, I wanted to do the music angle as well, but you're such a professional, you put it out there on Twitter. This yeah. is what you wrote about an hour ago. How was this little TV part of my Edmonton Oilers Rexall memories? Tune in with yeah. Reed Wilkins at 730. And you have what looks, I don't even know if they make these anymore, but it looks like one of those little handheld portable TVs.
0: I don't know if they make them either. And I, I've kept it for, for one reason only, and that's because of the, the, the memory that I have of that TV and how I believe it turned around a series and won the Oilers their fifth Stanley Cup. There you go. Is that a hook? Well, you did that. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't throw it on the ice like the beef, for the record. <laughs> but it did go flying. I, you know, when when we look back at Rexall and, you know, as the days and the games wind down here with the Oilers, everybody's starting to think about it. You know, when I was a kid growing up on the farm, uh, like you did, uh, Reed, uh, you know, when the glory days were happening, I got to go to like four games during that whole stretch. I remember my first game, my cousins Brad and Dean took my brother and I. We must have been like 10 or 11, and we got standing room only, and we watched the Oilers play the Minnesota North Stars. After the game, we went across to the fireside Inn. I remember, and Glenn Sawnmore, I think, was the coach of the right. star- Stars. I remember getting his autograph, and it was just like truly the greatest thing that had happened in my life up until that point. And we just didn't get to go to any games hardly at all during the the heyday. We just we, we just didn't. Uh, you know, I, I listened to most of them on the radio because most of them weren't even on on television. I listened to the great Rod Phillips, and uh, so of course uh, I, I remember seeing Guy Lafleur playing for the. Uh, uh, Rangers without a helmet on at Rexall Place when I was going to broadcasting school and that was a really cool thing to see at Rexall the great Guy Lefleur, and imagining him smoking cigarettes in between periods doing whatever he did but uh, then in in 1990 uh, that that fifth Stanley Cup, the improbable one, the one that wasn't supposed to happen my friend Scott Phillips who worked for a radio station at the same time, uh, we went to that game, uh, game number five they were down 3-1 in the series and if I'm not mistaken they were down 3-1 in that game and I brought my little Casio television. I was at, at that time there was no screen for uh, for replays or anything like that. So I was so into it. I brought my little Casio, and you can see the Twitter picture. It's like, like literally one inch by one inch little TV, and tuned into CBC, and I was watching the re- we could watch the replays because no one else could with my little TV. And I, I remember when I I'm positive it was Dale Howard, Chuck. It came in on a breakaway. Others are down like three one in that game, and Bill Ranford made the save. And I, I got so excited. I threw my Casio television, and it went about four rows behind me. And the batteries went flying, and and, uh, and, and everybody was so excited because he made the save. And I'm trying to find my batteries and my TV, and I, I get it back, and I put them all back in. And, and uh, that game, that, that save, literally was the turning point of that series. The orders came back, and I think they won that game 4-3. They won that series against the Jets, and they went on to win that fast, fifth Stanley Cup. And somehow, I believe that that little Casio TV – was responsible for it.
1: Well, you know what? I here's one of my memories. I was at that game. I don't know how yeah. the heck we got tickets living out in Evansburg. Yeah, same uh, thing as me. It I was, was I was at that game, and I I remember Howard Chuck's breakaway and Ranford stopped it. And you're I, I the one thing you I just quickly brought up the summary. I did not remember that the Jets were up three one in the game. They uh, were though, right? Yeah, but they were. And then Simpson and Lamb thirteen seconds apart. In the yep. second period, Messier got the game winner, 353 into the third. And you're right, that's how close they were. And then they still had to win two games after that, but that's how right. close they were to being eliminated.
0: But, yeah, there was never any doubt after they came back and won that game, but they were down 3-1 in that series, 3-1 in that game. It was Dale Howardchuck on a breakaway. Ranford did a kick save, and the, the Casio television went flying. And I'll, I'll keep that uh, Casio TV forever because it's just a great memory. And, of course, they went on to win that Stanley Cup, and, uh, you know, it was just a, it was amazing. Um, you know, that was a highlight for me. I remember in 2000, um, sorry, but I, I remember a game very, very well. My son was three years old and I had just gotten an operation that eliminated uh, the possibility of me having children in the future. Do you know that operation Reed? I've I've heard of it, yes. It starts with a V and ends with a sectomy. (laughs) And and, uh, anyway, I got it done at the LeDuc Hospital the day of that game, but uh, there's no way I was missing it. Oilers playing the Dallas Stars. Uh, Carter, my three-year-old son, and I go to that game. Bill Ranford, sorry, not Bill Ranford, Doug Waite scores a hat trick. He gets his third goal. I stand up to throw my hat and I feel a stitch pop.
1: (laughs) uh, Did you pass out?
0: (laughs) No, you know what, I didn't, but I I, I, I literally popped a stitch because, because he scored that hat trick. And uh, I'll never forget that game either. For some reason.
1: Oh, yeah, for some reason that oh that is I mean is you and Jack in this hour exceeding my already <laughs> high expectations for what you would bring as guests. Uh? Oh,
0: oh yeah, now I, I got in uh, 2003. Now my friend Marty, he already tweeted after I tweeted you said you better tell him this story. Um, and, and I don't remember the exact game, and I think it was in 2003. It was in one of those series that we played the Dallas Stars. But I go to the game with my buddy Marty, and we go and we watch the Oilers, and it's the most painful game in the world. And they are—they got like 11 shots on goal. There's five minutes left in the game. They're down three nothing to uh, to uh, you know the Dallas Stars. There is just no way that they're coming back in this game. And I had to go up to Thorsby to pick my family up. So I said, Marty, we're leaving—we're leaving early. And uh, he's like, Oh, okay. And I mean, at that point, seriously, the Dallas Stars had not given up a you know a lead for like you know. 95 straight games, let alone a 3-0 lead. So so I talk him into leaving, we leave the cheap seats, and we're walking out of Rexall, I think it was Skyreach at the time, and uh, by the time we just about get to the LRT on the other side of the building, we hear a cheer go up, and uh, Marty says, I bet you the Oilers scored, and I said, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> so we get we get into the LRT, we're parked at Commonwealth Stadium, and we get in the LRT, and of course somebody's listening to the game, and they go, the orders just scored to make it 3-2, and Marty looks at me like he's going to kill me. And by the time we get into his vehicle at Commonwealth uh, in the parking lot, Rod Phillips is going bananas because they've just tied it up. And Marty just starts punching me in the head. (laughs) And he says, what do we do now? And and I said, I don't know. We go back. So we we drive his vehicle back. We somehow park on the side of a curb. We go running in. Overtime has started. Everybody's high-fiving it. Literally, Reed, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but we were like the only sober guys at a drunk party, right, because we missed it all. <laughs> and and uh, we, we, we stayed. We watched Kelly Buckberger score the winning goal, but we hardly even cheered. We were just so – it was the stupidest thing I've ever done, but it made so much – logistical sense there was no way they were coming back and winning that game and i think they won that series that was that was the year if i'm not mistaken right. they won in seven
1: 1997 chris i'm gonna put you on hold because i got a little special treat for you and everybody else
4: controlled by doug wayne to back he scores doug wayne breaks laguse with four minutes to go in the third period pass to marchand now to kovalenko right in on goal By one. Marshawn wins the draw. Richardson to McGillis. just scores! The Edmonton Oilers have tied the game! A stunning come-from-behind tie! With 2 on 4 to go! There's Bedlam at the Coliseum! Four seconds remaining. territory drops it back for Bookburger he hits an and shoots. Scores! Kelly Bookburger wins it in overtime for the Oilers. Four to three. A stunning comeback by the Edmonton Oilers. They lead the series two games to one. They are absolutely going bonkers in Edmonton.
1: Hey how do you like that Chris? On demand. Yeah, that sounded like so
0: much fun, I wish I would have been there, <laughs> yeah, imagine being there. imagine having a ticket to that game. you know yeah, could you imagine' like, be stupid <laughs> enough to admit that you left, but i wasn't I know we weren't the only ones, <laughs> but I, it it certainly taught me a lesson about leaving a sporting event early because that was the most improbable comeback in the history of comebacks. I swear you just you never saw that one coming, obviously, but uh but it did
1: all right i, I I've kept you long, but I wanted let 's quickly if if you can do it yeah. in a minute or two. Um, I mean, through Kiss and Country, you, yeah. I mean, so so many concerts. I mean, you've been there as often for music as as you have for uh, for hockey. So I don't know if yeah. if something stands out
0: or there's it, a. It does. It's really simple. It's Garth Brooks. Three shows, you know, one night after another. Three three consecutive sellouts, and and, uh, and I don't really recall exactly what year it was, but it was amazing. And, uh, yeah, by far the best three shows that I've ever seen at, 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 Rexall Place. You know, there's been a lot of great country shows that have come and gone, but, but Garth Brooks with those three shows. Now, the cool part is that he is now touring. He's got his world tour going. He just finished playing in Hamilton this past week, and our, our own Brett Kissel, an Edmonton uh, kid, opened up for him. But, uh, when Garth called me a couple of years ago for my 25th anniversary at the radio station, I, I, I asked him, you know, is Edmonton going to be part of your plans for this world tour? And he says, you know, he promised it would be. So, Uh, Garth Brooks, Rexall Place, those three shows, if you were there. I mean, I did not leave early that night, I guarantee it. We went to all three shows.
1: Oh, that's awesome stuff. Chris, thanks so much for your time. I know we're going to do this again throughout the year, but uh, this was especially fun this evening. Thanks for fitting me into your busy day.
0: No, are you kidding? kidding? Thank you for, uh, you know, I still need counseling for a few of those stories, so I think that it, (laughs) it, it, it helps to talk about them again. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you, Reed. Chris Sheets, get him in the
1: morning on Kissin' Country 103.9, one of our uh, chorus stations coming out of this very building. Well, this has been fun. We've gone from ostrich racing to uh, torn vasectomy stitches. Who's, who knows what's coming up next? Inside Sports on 630 Chad.
4: Hi, this is Ryan Dugan-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
1: No score, Oil Kings in Brandon after the first period, game three of that series. Game four tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Rexall Place. Inside Sports is presented by AMA. Be listing on Saturday for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey, AMA Safety and Savings for your family. That will be the Oilers against the Calgary Flames. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck. The uh, farewell to Rexall Place one week from today, 5 o'clock drop of the puck. We will have extended pre-game and post-game coverage for you here on 630 chat i believe we will be announcing the uh, exact details of that very soon uh, but i can tell you i've been working on a little something extra for that day and it doesn't have anything to do with a racing ostrich
5: matthew panaschik is our studio producer this evening matthew you having a good time Oh, this has actually been a real fun show, Read. I mean, ostrich racing? I mean, who would have thought your first professional gig would be ostrich racing, right? What was your first professional gig, by the way?
1: Uh, That is a good question. Like, it's something I got money for for broadcasting? Yes. (sighs) Because I I did volunteer stuff, but I didn't get paid. Well, I think the the, the first thing I got actual money for... Was I? It was I was going to Nate, but I volunteered at CJSR. Oh yeah, and the guy I was I wound up volunteering for was guess who? Bob Stoffer on U of A hockey broadcast. Nice ninety eight ninety nine, and it was volunteer. But I think a couple times Bob just gave me fifty bucks. It was probably twenty, but I'll say fifty to make him sound a little <laughs> more generous.
5: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sweet working with Bob back then.
1: Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same as working with him now.
5: All right. <laughs> <There you go.
1: laughs> oh, it was great. He was, uh, he was very kind. Uh, as you can text 63630. Dean says, uh, Reed, I saw the Houston Arrows play the Oilers in the WHA in 1976. The Oilers were in that league starting in 1972. Why are you saying they only came into the league in 78? Did I say that? No, I said the last year, the WHA was 78, 79. Yes. That's we were looking up which teams were in the league in the last year. Buddha says, "Oh, how about this?" Speaking of what Chris Sheets was talking about, Buddha sent this in before Chris was on the show. My best Rexall place memory, the only night in Oilers history when half of the fans left with 5 minutes left. And the Oilers can and then came back to watch overtime late 90s against Dallas down 3 nothing with about 5 minutes to go in the third, they tied it. Won in overtime. I was young and with my mom the most unlikely person to be with for a game like that. Well I'm sure your mom had a great time. My mother loves attending live sporting events, by the way. I'm 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 lucky that way in that uh in that the, the, the Wilkins family as a child. It was never oh my dad and I wanna watch sports or go to a game. My mom's always was always very happy to go.
5: Well say with my mom, right? She she's a huge, huge hockey and huge NFL fan as well.
1: My mom uh took my mom to the Lakers game. When we were in Los Angeles in uh, late January, saw the Lakers get obliterated by the Chicago Bulls. My mom's probably good enough to play for the Lakers this season. <laughs> what did they? Lo- who did they lose to the other day? It was one. It was I think it was a forty-seven. Oh point Utah, loss.
5: you a forty-eight point loss? I believe it what was. Was it was, wasn't one
1: thir- No one twenty-three seventy-five. Is that forty-eight? It was. It was bad.
5: Well, I was going to say, their star player is pretty bad. It's in some sort of trouble right now, right now. The guy they drafted second overall, apparently.
1: Oh, the guard that's supposed to replace Kobe? Yeah. That they're not playing yeah. as Kobe's replacement? Yes. Yeah, because they got to keep <laughs> putting Choby out, or, uh, Choby, put Kobe out there for, for all the fans. Uh, Senators now up 2-1 on the Jets late in the third. Capitals and Flyers still no score after two. Well oh, this is gonna be great. Ken Lowe, former head medical trainer for the Oilers, is up next inside sports on 630 Ched.